All right, folks, welcome to Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoot Magoot. I'm Elaine. And we have a little bit of a fun doubleheader this week. Uh, we're going to start out with a couple of recent album releases, you know, reviewing um, two albums that probably could not be any further <laughs> further apart yeah. on the musical spectrum if we tried. <laughs> and we didn't do this on just we both came to the table with a different album. <laughs> it just happened. And it just was like, wow, those are those are quite different. Um, and then after, we're going to do a couple album anniversaries for... Um, July. Perhaps a bit more, a bit closer together on the spectrum, but still pretty far apart. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> to, uh, to start, we are going to discuss a really interesting, I guess, jazz release? I, or kind I, of I've s- seen it listed as like New Age. Yeah, I think that that's it. that's always a weird term for me, but yeah, yeah I think that's probably it, the most accurate. And it's, this is, it's a it's a very loaded term for yeah. me. And it is the new Laraji album, uh, Sun Piano. Uh, Laraji is a um, he's been around for a while. He's a you know respected musician, um, you know informed uh, quite a bit by mysticism, uh, meditation. He's known for the third installment in. Uh, Brian Eno's Ambient series, correct? Is it third? I thought it was second. Third or second. Either way, two, three, four. Oh, <laughs> one of them. Yeah, I'm looking this up because we are going to look so stupid. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought it was... Uh, uh, if you're right, it's, it's Ambient 3. Yeah, yeah. Ambient 3, Day of, Day of Radiance. Yeah. Uh, and I believe on that he, he, did, he did piano on that as well, correct? Well, he did, I think he did... Let me see. Um... Oh wow! Actually, it looks like it looks like he did a few different. He, instruments. he he mostly did hammered dulcimer. Oh, cool. but then there were a couple of other instruments that he was playing on that. Oh, I gotta listen to that at some point. That sounds oh, really, it's really so cool. good, dude. That sounds awesome. It's so good. Um, um, yeah, so it, it was uh, yeah uh, zither and hammered dulcimer. That um, is really cool. Um, yeah, and yeah, on on this album, as you probably could guess from the title it is uh exclusively piano based compositions with it's improvisations improvisations that makes this even cooler because yeah. each track is uh, it's really really fun i mean i guess we're just going to launch right into our thoughts but e- each track is so vibrant and full of life and i know that before elaine and i have, have discussed different um piano based artists uh, specifically Keith um, Jarrett. uh yeah and the fact that um I think I bought a really cheap copy of, of the Cone concerts on on double vinyl, and I actually n- never got to the second disc because <laughs> it just for me it starts out really really cool, you know, like really you know it's interesting to listen to him just dance around the piano. It just gets really stale after a while, and also I know like this is just him kind of ex- exclaiming out of uh, I guess passion or like musical genius or whatever, but like when he does when he yells out like he often does, Jarrett. Jarrett? Yeah, like there's a few, and I think I had another, I think a collaboration he did with uh, Jan Garabek, but he will periodically just like shout out. I don't know if it's on the Colin concert, but I, I've listened to other Jarrett where he just will like exclaim, and it doesn't yeah, sound like any the, like lyrical, it just sounds like he's just excited. But Monk will actually do that if you really listen to some of this stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, the, I haven't, 
I haven't heard it in the monk I've listened to, but with Jared, it's just it's it's kind of off-putting. But on on the flip side, what I really really like about this album is the fact that I think to me, I never really noticed the there's the inherent sparseness of a solo piano album. Like to me, like there just was so much life and personality, and really like his. I think even if I didn't know that he um, you know considered himself a mystic, was very uh, you know, was influenced by uh, those kind of mystical themes, themes of meditation and whatnot. I probably would have picked that up because I just think a lot of the um, the sequences, a lot of the the passion, energy that he put into this really shines through. Um, I don't. I mean, there's still. I don't know if there's a ton to say about it. Even still, I mean, I don't have anything negative to say about this album. Uh, it's just. It's very. It's very one note, but I mean that in a really good way, because what it provides is a lot of depth to it. It's it's just, it's, it's a lot of depth kind of in one part of the ocean, if you'll allow me to make a mystical <laughs> reference, or like kind of a poetic reference. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you uh, you recommended this, Elaine, so what, you, what was your thought process behind picking it, and what did you think? So, in picking this, I, I think... Back when and this was a few months ago, when this thing was was announced, that uh, I was still bothering to look at music news because it wasn't completely depressing. Then, <laughs> um, and uh, I saw this, and you know, I think we had just gotten it was it was probably a few weeks out from our like ambient exploration, mm. and uh, which is when I you know initially encountered Laraji, mm-hmm. and um, so you know the idea of you know, Laraji do, who did this awesome ambient album that I really liked doing an improv album and more than that, an improv piano album, like it just like kind of like hit every bell that I was looking for in a way. I was just like, well, like, so like I, I had it in my calendar for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, listening to it. I mean, there's no part of it that isn't what I expected in a way. I, I, I guess I, I was, I was thinking it would be less, um, not necessarily lighthearted, but I, I, I felt like, you know, when you use a term like meditative, uh, I sort of get like a slowness, mm. um, it's yeah. sort of this, um, very dedicated awareness of the present moment. Uh, and not, not to say that Larashi doesn't do this on this album. It's it's just that I, I I think there's a lot of other things that are going into it as well. Like it's it's a very happy sounding album. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I, it's it's just it was more like it just wasn't for me. Like it, it, I think it just kind of reminded me a lot of Keith Jarrett, and I, I've you know <laughs> I am just not a Keith Jarrett fan. Yeah. Um, and, and really, it's it's more because of sort of Keith Jarrett's voicings and his chords that he uses. I, I, I just don't like that ECM style sound that like it, it, it sounds like one step away from like smooth jazz almost. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like Larachi kind of enters that territory here. I mean, again, like, like new age is probably the best term to describe this. Um, you know, and I, 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 I'm just kind of, I, I, I honestly don't have that much to say. I guess because there, there's nothing about it that I was like, oh, I fucking hate this. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, like because I mean, it's it, how how could it? Like, it's 
it, it, it's a very pure album. Like it's 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 not like there's some sort of you know political statement behind this or some sort of like controversy t- like tailing Laraji like to the you know premiere of this. It's, it's it's not like there's any bad blood that's dragging around with it. Like you know it's it, it's just I I just don't really have much positive to say either. I guess um, like I I listened to this once like when it, i think last week at some point and i listened to it again i think i listened to it like three times altogether but like after the first time i think even after like the first two tracks i was like oh i know how i feel about this album yeah of. yeah um which i you know i don't think it's a bad thing it's it's again it's, it's just more like it's not for me um it's just too like light and airy for me like i you know like, like i'm not necessarily against like a new age type of music because i i feel like if i listen to like steve roach at some point like i would really enjoy it mm-hmm. like you know i i just don't like like i think because what structures from silence is like what like upwards of three hours long or something like that mm-hmm. and i'm just but I, i'll let to say so I, I i just don't really i don't have much to say <laughs> yeah no i, I feel you. i mean i, I definitely am more positive than you but at the same time yeah, yeah I, I, there's really i really don't think there's a ton to, to say about this i think that I, what it what it offers is uh i mean i think there's, there's a lot of richness and and you know color to what laraji does what he does offer but at the same time it, it is very um it is very like, straight, straightforward yeah you, you you know what you're getting yeah and I, I think that's a good note from you that um, I don't know if I, I I didn't read into this as I mean obviously as soon as I pressed play I, I pretty much knew what I was in for just based on the presentation but I didn't mm-hmm. read into it as much as you so I wasn't necessarily expecting um, well I I don't know I, I think just because I, I looking at it and listening to it there wasn't much of a gap but I think if I did sit with it a bit longer I probably would have expected something a bit more meditative because yeah I don't. I, I, I think there, there's a lot in this, I think, if, if you're willing to sit down with it. Um, and I, I could see this being a really nice album to listen to, like, if, you know, you've had a really tough day. Like, it's very um, emotionally uh, resonant music. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's just that, I don't know, like, it, it, it's, I think part of it is just, like, it doesn't scratch the itch. Like, like the itch it scratches is not one I have, maybe. Yeah, uh, but I, I think I, I do want to leave with just a couple of positive notes. Uh, first off, I, I love the album cover; it's really yeah, beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, just just like a gorgeous, gorgeous album cover. Like very simple, but very just like just, just finely crafted. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's like an actual like ink drawing or like maybe they just photoshopped this or whatever. But it, it's it's a great album cover. Really gets to the point of the album. Um, and I would also say that, like, I think what Laraji does here, uh, that is to say, like, you know, these solo piano improvisations, that that's something I always enjoy, like, or that, that I always, um, you know, I, like, I have a real love for, like, solo improvisation, the, especially on piano, because I, it's something that doesn't really get uh, a ton of airplay, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, you know, the, the the only time I can really think of that that you really hear, like, a solo piano playing is, is if, like, it's a classical piece. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so like you know rarely do you have someone like this just improvising on piano so in in just for the act of being what it is i i really like that part of it so yeah but, absolutely that's a yeah. great note and um yeah i mean i i, I think that definitely if if you're looking for a very bright, colorful uh, piano album, this—I mean, I don't—I don't know if you could do much better than this, um, especially this year. But yeah, I, <laughs> it, it definitely doesn't have. Um, just I know, know what you're expecting. I would say it offer. It doesn't offer have a lot more to offer, but just it, it, it what it offers is pretty pretty plain, pretty upfront. Yeah, and that's not I, necessarily I mean, a bad thing, but it—it's it, a very spiritual album in that. It simply is what it is. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't uh, proclaim to be something higher than it is. Exactly. And I will say I liked, I, I mean, it, they were very subtle. It didn't pop up too, too often. But uh, he recorded this live at uh, the First Unitarian Church in Brooklyn. And periodically you can hear some pops of different, um, I don't know if I could pick a certain track, but some, some, the, yeah. the church being used. Like there's, some, there's life surrounding him, which I, I, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, it that that type of thing can be, um, you know, kind of a double edged sword sometimes. Like, have you ever heard of the uh, the band um, Set Fire to Flames? Uh, I don't think so. So, it, uh, I think it's they're kind of like a music ensemble, but I, I guess um, Godspeed You Black Ember, like, like a couple of members from that, made up this band or at least partially. But they have this album called uh, Telegraphs and Negative slash Mousetrap and Static, which, you know, knowing Godspeed, you kind of know what you're getting into. <laughs> but um, the I like I remember looking this up and on the Wikipedia page, I have it pulled up right here. It says that uh, the album was recorded in a barn in rural Ontario uh, and that the sounds of band members talking and moving around can be readily heard during the album's quiet moments. Um, you know, it, it was just like, it, it, it kind of ruins the album in a way <laughs> Yeah, because it, it, it just, it, it, it's, it's almost like you're trying to record an album while like all the other members are drinking wine and talking about, you know, like the woefulness of everyday life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's fucking beatnik shit going on. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't really hear that much. I was mostly focusing on the piano in this. So. Yeah, it was very subtle here and there, and I think before even reading that, I just I, I was kind of more curious. Like, I wonder what that like that just that, that sounded a little off, but I didn't. I I think it's a cool it, it's a cool thing to just sort of like again it really speaks to that type of spiritual element that it's mm-hmm. it's not it, it's it's aiming to just simply be, you know, mm-hmm. as as opposed to uh, trying because it, it like. I guess it's not affectatious. Yep. So exactly. All right. Well, I I really don't have anything else to say here. Yes, we we've so. kind of uh, we talked about this longer than I thought I would, but now, yeah. um, time for yep. something uh, clearly different. Can, can you explain where you, did did you get this because of Heavy Blog doing a review for it? Uh yeah. So we have we have a a Slack channel for well I mean we have a whole Slack uh, I don't know page. Uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, so where we coordinate all our work for the blog, um, and someone posted this a bank, you know, links to Bandcamp for this, and said, "What if Carbomb, but also Genghis Tron?" Um, 
and uh, that piqued <laughs> my interest because Carbomb is always Carbomb is kind of like Mathcore Meshuggah. Recently, they've kind of brought in a lot of melodic elements, which I didn't really care for in their last album, but. Um, Genghis Tron is much way more in the mathematical direction than Carbomb, so I was really interested in this album, which is Immortality Through Quantum Suicide by Zithlia, I think. <laughs> X-Y-T-H-L-I-A. Um, the cover grabbed me, the um, the absurd names and presentation, you know, kind oh, of God. verging on self-parody grabbed me. It is... It, it is- the most ridiculous album title and cover of the year arguably it's yeah it's 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 insane and but by by no means is is that a detriment to the album so yeah and i i i was very curious because um this particular person can sometimes I mean, we, we all come from different musical backgrounds, and just I wasn't sure based on this person's background if they were able to capture that correctly. You know, sometimes when people say, what do they sound like? And they tell me that. So, like, they tell me what they think. I'm like, that's... And then I listen to it. I'm like, that's not... Oh, you're, you're talking about the person who recommended this. Yeah, who recommended this. Yeah, there okay, are times I, where... I, I, I thought you were talking about Nick Stranger, the the one man behind this. Oh, no, so. no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, the person who recommended Like, okay. sometimes I've had people recommend me stuff. And then they yeah. tell me it sounds like X, Y, and Z, and I listen to it. I'm like, that's not accurate. It's, at it's all. really funny that he brought up Genghis Tron, though, because like on my first listen, that that was like one of the first things that came to my mind. Yeah, and and so you know all all that to say that I think he was pretty accurate in how he described this. To me, this is like a very uh, this is like car bomb with all of the safety features pulled off, and you know, a lot of Genghis Tron and Albatross, basically that. Um, 2000s era, uh, like even some Cyphus, some the 2000s era, like math grind um, scene, uh-huh. just all thrown into one. This is a lot groovier, though. I think that's uh, this is just a lot. Yeah, like this this is out there. It's also really short, which surprised me. Like when this ended, I I thought that like there was something wrong with my headphones, or like maybe I had accidentally pressed pause. Um, which, uh, for, I, mean, I mean, just to be upfront, like, I, I really, really love this album. Uh, this, this gives me, it reminds me of uh, uh, Pound, which I, I love their album yeah. from, uh, from last year. It gave me a lot of the same hints, except a lot the crazier, a lot weirder. Um, but I, I think the only negative I have is that I, I do wish it was just a tad longer. I think that if it was too long, like if we were approaching like 45 minutes or an hour, then you know the style of music would start to get old, but I think this. I, I, I think if this thing went over thirty, I think it would be too much. For yeah, I mean, I think this is. It's only like twenty three minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, I think yeah, maybe just if if it was a smidge longer, like some some of the the shorter interlude esque tracks, if those were a bit longer, I think I would have appreciated that. But yeah, this is just like really heavy grooves, a lot of you know mathy elements you know some some really crazy blast beats and gravity blasts uh, this is a lot of fun again i really wish there was more to it but i um as in like literally more of it not necessarily more to the music uh but yeah i mean i, I was <laughs> when i finally when i finally listened to y- your pick laraji uh i mean i saw sun piano but I, I didn't know what that that meant i didn't know if it was like more free jazz or whatever when I finally listened to it after knowing what I had picked, I was like, "Holy shit! Like these are, <laughs> these are really, really different." So I'm, 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 I'm actually trying to look for the, um, the, 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 the text that that we had because 
uh, I, 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 I just have like a, I, I had a good, um, yeah, it's a mystical ambient piano versus the sounds of your skull being crushed in by ravenous demons. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's really, really good. So um, yeah, I, I, I am really, really curious, uh, what you, what you thought of this. Cause I know this isn't, I don't know if this is exactly the style you always go for when you look for metal. So I was curious what you thought. I, yeah, um. You know, I I really like uh, like grindcore and like death metal and stuff like that. It, it's it's not something I always listen to, um, but like when it's really good, it's really good. And I I can't say that this is bad by any means. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a fun listen through and through. Um, I don't know how many times I put this thing on. Probably like three or four. Um, but at the same like, like the, the, this was very similar to sun piano in that just in my reaction towards it that I was like okay you know there we go mm-hmm. like it, it was uh, it, i mean it, it's 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 a lot to take in mm-hmm. um i think that, that that's that's part of it is like i think like maybe if i had listened to it more and sort of let it unpack itself uh then again though you know at 23 minutes it's really hard to parse apart everything that's going on and a lot of it is just freaking like I, I among the most vicious metal i've ever heard i frankly yeah. uh i mean it, it is it is an angry angry record um yeah. but so yeah it's it's a little like the, the, there's nothing about it i hate at all i it's it's more just like it it, it like i i think with Pieron, like with the with the Pieron album that, that we reviewed um like you know, that was a tough listen at first, but, like, eventually it started really grabbing me. Like, like the, the, there was something that pulled me and said, you need to keep listening to this. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, this was, like, when it was over, I was like, okay. Like, it, it, it didn't sit, like, the, not once was there a time where it was like, oh, this is awful, turn this off. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there was neither that that feeling of, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? I'm on the edge of my fucking seat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but I, at the same time, but like you know, for for what it is, which I I don't know if I see like like Cyapus and like you know math uh, math core influences on it. But th- then again, I don't really listen to this as much as as you do. Like the, this this uh, like I mean, I really don't listen to metal as much as you do, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I really should change a little bit, but um. I, all I'd say is that, like I, I just it's very death grindy, very technical mm-hmm. death metally, you know. It, and like it, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. And like I, I do like that aspect of it. Um, I love the vocals, actually. That th- those are probably my favorite part. That they were just so freaking crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's and just <laughs> like I. I, I don't know, like, you know, given the context around this record, I how do you think you're supposed to, like, are, is this supposed to be, like, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek, or or what? Oh, I, I think, I think he's having, I think he's having fun, just because, uh, like, there are some of these track titles that you could see on, like, oh, any, yeah. any, like, typical, uh um, Yeah, but f- Flesh Prison, yeah, Tachyon you, yeah, Malnourishment. Exactly. Anti dream, like, post ironic indoctrination, especially yeah, or, Schrodinger's foreskin. Yeah, uh, or mutagen. 
fester in the nether like i don't know just like the the way or, the or, or just the album title like is a bit yeah a bit tongue-in-cheek yeah um, I, but 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 see and then you have that you like and you know i i, I it's it's one of those things it's, it's always tough to tell whether metal acts are being like genuine with their imagery or not because like you know the, the, there's historical context of like musicians who aren't or are very serious about what they're talking about and uh you know doesn't always have the best of endings <laughs> yeah. not, 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 not to put this on this guy at all because he seems like a nice guy uh i i, I just like <laughs> i'm just like not trying to take it because like if you look at the band camp everybody who's who put like a little like supported uh like little bump quote uh they're always like oh this is like 2020 soundtrack <laughs> and, <laughs> and like or at least that th- th- that's kind of the feeling that i got from like a lot of people's feelings on this thing yeah uh and you know it was it was just like i i, I is it is it too early in the year to call that a cliche oh no like, not at all it's definitely uh like, I, think like all, I think we're all well aware that this year has been less than ideal so i don't know yeah but but i i'm just like i'm so fucking tired of being like uh, of everybody being like oh yeah the, like this album's brutal and dark it's basically this year put into an album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to go home and drink yeah, <laughs> in a corner kind of with my at. mask on. <laughs> like, that's kind of what I was getting at is that like we're all kind of aware that this year sucks. And so it's just it's, it's kind of like after, uh, I mean, like, you know, spoiler alert, I'm not a, not a big Donald Trump fan. But the, just the absolute um, saturation of anti-Trump you know, music after you know he was inaugurated. Was oh, just, yeah. Okay. Like, we get it. Because a lot of it was not not well not well done yeah frankly it it was super corny but i think in this case to your point like i mean just because something is is intense or like like it just it doesn't especially if the artist is like i I don't see anything on this page that specifically was like you know fuck covid or like you know 2020 sucked like i I, I don't i I think that that that's just yeah I mean, it, it could just be me reading into it a little bit. No, no, I, um, I, I, I think you're you're um, you're recognizing something that, that's very like I, I could totally see people kind of casting that onto. Um, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I've seen people do that I mean, a lot. You know, yeah, I mean, like, and this is more just a conversation, but like, because the those aspects, um, I, I I don't like to let those influence my decision like they influence my feelings on the music itself mm-hmm. um and because like you know, the, the music itself is good like it's it's really good like it's it's well crafted well produced amazingly performed you know like th- th- there's nothing wrong about it it's more just like the the connection between me and it isn't as strong as it might have been i think yeah i, I feel you for sure and uh, uh i definitely uh, I think I definitely enjoy it more than more than you do, but again, that's I think it's also you know, how our you know how our backgrounds come. Yeah, it, and and I, I think you know you you listen to so much. I mean, really, so much music in general, so much new music, but also just so much new metal that I think you know having something like this just come out and just like punch you in the face is, is like a welcome experience. Yeah. So like, and for me, it's it's like I I, I don't really dip you know, into metal as much. So I, I, I think it's just, the reception is just a little bit different. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, like for yeah. me, when, uh, like you have kind of the, the, the groovier parts where, you know, his vocals are in full swing and it's like, you know, really, 
you know, more like death grindy or death quarry, but then there are like those, those, just those bursts of just gravity blasts and like really, really intense, where it's just these, those like intense musical snippets that I'm, I'm just all about. I love I, when those pop up. It's fine, but my, my favorite tracks were actually like the interludes. Uh, as strange as that is, huh. like a- Anti Dream was like I, I I always looked forward to that uh, because because it was just a a it was I I think in the fact that it was like one of the few like uh, slowed down kind of uh, out there tracks mm-hmm. compared to the just like the full throttle like f- you know fucking your face basically yes. <laughs> you know I uh, it it was just like it, it actually kind of reminded me of um you know sort of when the faceless get like a little proggier on um what, what, what's that album of theirs the the second one oh uh uh autotheism no 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 the the, the one before that oh like, planetary, is planetary duality their, their second yeah it, it I, goes uh Akeldama, planetary duality and then autotheism yeah but planetary duality is what i was thinking of yeah it's just like that or like um uh horrendous horrendous's latest album mm-hmm uh, you know what, what? When those get a little jazzy and things like that, and it, it kind of sounds like this, like it's it's, it's like death metal in space, yes, <laughs> kind of exactly. And uh, yeah, I, I I think just one final word is that I I think with the anger, like I think you know it's it, it's kind of cool to see someone. And I mean I I'm I am interpreting this uh, by myself, but I think like it just seems like it's kind of like an example of someone using their frustration to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like, you know, I, I think there's like, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's seeing an artist take something on the outside and instead of turning it inwards and having it destroy himself, you know, with it, it's, he's creating stuff with that energy instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think this is another one, like like Elaine said, that we just uh, don't have a ton, a ton to say about. But I mean, for me, it's it's only just because you know I kind of wish there was a little bit more. Either some of the shorter tracks were longer, or there was you know one more track on the end. But uh, I, I nothing but good things to say about this. I, w- I would recommend if you like really crazy whacked out. Um, death metal or just metal in general this is this is a, a really really great offering from this year yeah and it's name your price right now on Bandcamp. Um, oh, that's cool though, I didn't know you that. know it, it's yeah but it, it's it's worth it to pay this guy mm-hmm. uh, i i would say uh also be sure to check out uh john adams's um review of this on heavy blog because it was very good yeah uh, i always like his uh yeah stuff jonathan's a good dude very very handsome nice man uh, very very handsome nice man yes exactly we should have him on that that would be fun yeah absolutely yeah um, all right speaking of handsome nice men are <laughs> for which actually i don't know if either is really that true but was, I, I, I mean he's handsome but kind of an asshole sometimes. yeah exactly uh but this is our the first of you know now we're shifting from uh present day back in this case uh 60 years which is kind of bonkers to think about but we are going all the way back to 1960 with uh the seminal third stream orchestral jazz album from miles davis uh sketches of spain 
this was his direct follow-up to Kind of Blue, which obviously that's that's one hell of a thing to follow up. And, <laughs> yeah. An album that has kind of even transcended being considered one of the best jazz albums of all time, but, you know, just one, one of the best, best albums, albums of all time, time period. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, like if you look at, not the Rolling Stone is the perhaps the the best barometer of, of music, but they <laughs> certainly are the most well-known and respected, but they, you know, there are very few jazz albums on their top, who was it, like top 500, 200, whatever, their top albums of yeah, all time it, list. But, but this was like, what, like 16? It was definitely like in like the, the, the teens. Yeah, it's it, it's it was far and away the highest ranking jazz album I, on the list. Was it? Because I... I, well, we're, we're talking about Kind of Blue, but um, I, I thought it was either that or Love Supreme might have rated slightly higher. Oh, it might have. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's ranked uh, 12 on Rolling Stone's yeah. 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. And now, now I'm, I'm curious, so I'll, I'll look at it while I, I keep talking. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so this uh, this was actually one of the first, obviously the first jazz album I encountered was Kind of Blue, just because whenever you look up, um, you know, what the what the top jazz albums of all time are, you know, kind of blue is very much at the top, but I think we had a copy of this at our local library that, uh, it, I mean, it just, it just looks really cool. You know, the, the cover looks interesting. The idea mm. of it just sounds really, really cool. Um, it, it definitely, I, I, I found it really, really, um, promising to look at. Yeah. Although, a, like a little, little bit of a background because it, this is basically Miles Davis doing like, kind of taking on Spanish folk music to a yeah. certain extent. Um, but it's, I, I, I think it's a misnomer to say it's just that because it's a lot of things in like, so it ends up being sort of thrown in under that, that genre tag of third stream, which mm-hmm. isn't, isn't really the best of tags out there because it, yeah. it's not very descriptive uh, to like what is actually going on. And like, there's there's stuff that's considered third stream that doesn't really sound anything like this even. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, it, it there's a lot going in. This is Miles Davis working with Gil Evans again, uh, which they'd worked bef- together before on um, Porgy and Bess, as well as um, uh, uh, Birth of the Cool, which was Miles Davis is kind of like that. That was like one of his just huge moments early on in his career mm-hmm. uh i mean both kind of were but um birth of the cool especially um and uh so you know he's taking you know they they're, they're taking a little bit of jazz you know that like there's a little bit of that jazz swing going on throughout this but then there's also you know this uh just beautiful spanish flair to it like you know you've got a lot of like maracas and like mm-hmm. spanish percussion uh, you know, and I think just like orchestration in general, uh, you know, a more of like a classical orchestration. Yeah. Uh, and just obviously they, they, they're arranging and, and taking, uh, you know, real Spanish folk songs and basically just, just arranging them into a more modern lens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, the, you know, for me, this was actually an, an album that uh, I actually didn't like at first. And I'm, I'm talking about this is like years and years ago. Um, I remember there was a copy of this thing for like five bucks at a Barnes and Noble, and uh, I just went for it because I was getting really into jazz at the mm-hmm. time, and it was really disappointing uh, because I, for for some reason, I was like, oh, Miles Davis equals jazz, and for me, jazz equals like 
modal cool shit, you know? Yeah. No, I, and, I will and, say if you're looking for like just jazz, you know, capital yeah. J jazz, this would be kind of a jarring. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, like listening to it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, as the years passed, like I ended up selling my copy of it. Uh, but as the years passed, uh, and I started listening to it again. I, I just, I fucking love this album. It's, it's such a beautiful, intimate portrait of mu of like sort of like the power of music regardless of any like sort of nationality or ethnicity um you know it was just especially just the the in the first track uh concierto de uh, aranjuez yeah aranjuez yeah um it's just like hearing miles play his trumpet like playing that like that 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 really passionate horn line uh, you know, it gets repeated a couple times, but it, it just, like, you, you really, like, you feel like this fire in you kind of just starting to burn. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a very powerful album. And, you know, I, I as it goes on, it's still, like, the, there's some really interesting moments that, you know, really keep me coming back to it. Uh, but I, 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 I've been talking this entire time, so um, you, you talk now? Yeah. <laughs> So I will say just just to close out this this uh, the question we had, uh, um, kind of blue ranks twelfth on yeah. Rolling Stone's top five hundred of all time, and then uh, Love Supreme is forty. Oh, I just had it forty seven. Huh. And I don't I don't see really any jazz albums in between. So it's it, it's you know it's the highest ranked album by like a pretty pretty wide margin. Yeah, I mean, it, or, or it's, it's considered to be the uh, the highest selling jazz album ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that helped um, inform my opinion on on Kind of Blue, and I, I it was the first jazz album I listened to really, uh, really deeply, and I had a, a really, um, really high, really high regard. So you know, I I wanted more, and I, I picked out this album just because it looked cool. Although it also always confused me because. You know, those are the colors of like the German flag, but it's sketches of Spain. Oh yeah, <laughs> which it is. I didn't realize. I, that. I mean, like actually. it's a really cool cover. Obviously, you have the bull bull on the front. I love the silhouette of Miles, but it just it's it's an interesting color palette. Or color yeah, color I, I, I I I don't think it was meant to be like national colors. I yeah, think it was for, more for sure. meant to be like a sunset. Yeah, it's just oh yeah oh I can see yeah I think that's more accurate. Yeah, there's the first thing I thought of is like that reminds me of Germany and. <laughs> But in any case, you know, obviously, um, I mean, just when you, when you put a country um, or you put some kind of national spin on it, I expected something a little bit different. But I, expe- I expected kind of more uh, Girl from Ipanema or like like really, you know, forward Latin jazz. Uh, and you, you do have some moments that are a bit more on the traditional end. Like there's, I forget what song it is, but there's that really fun, almost mariachi break. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Where like it just—they're very I, short, sharp trumpet. I don't because like I the, the thing is like when I listen to this album, I get yeah. like really sucked into it. Exactly. And I and I usually don't list. I don't pay attention to the track listing. Exactly. No, I, I'm um, the same exact way. But there, there's there's that moment that pops up, and I usually listen to this. And I have a version that has. Um, 
Yeah, do you, you have you have the reissue? Yeah, exactly. So it, yeah. has, it has you know part one and then part two ending of Concerto. Yeah, it, 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 it has like eighteen extra minutes basically. Yeah, added on to it exactly. Um, so I think it's in that because it definitely like I listen to it and then like suddenly like that moment comes on again. So I think it's there. But in any case, I was expecting something different, but I I I don't know think this was it. Although what's interesting is is. Um, Unlike you know your experience, I actually really liked it right off the bat. I don't know, it just it's it's one of the most um, transportative transportive whatever the, whatever the right um, yeah. conjugation of that word is, but um, it's just one one of the most like I just I feel like I'm you know on a balcony in Spain you know watching the sun watching the sunset and just you know like this beautiful beautiful. Uh, you know, village and all of the the details of the countryside. Like I just, I, I feel that, and it's it's amazing mm-hmm. how um, cinematic. I agree that I think or, orchestral jazz is probably a better um, a, a better descriptor for this because third stream is just such a such an odd term. But well, like I, I think they called it that just because of uh, sort of the classical influence on it, and like orchestral doesn't necessarily you know connotate classical music it, sure. it connotates like a, or an orchestra yeah. which you know can be used for you know any sort of purpose so yeah exactly uh, I, I mean it was it was you know it's it, it's kind of yeah it's, it, it's it's such a strange term uh apparently i guess it was like a yeah um gunther schuller was the person who who coined the term uh it seems like he was I, I think he was uh, a conductor and like a composer, but um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it just I, I think the the huge ensemble on this, um, but I, I mean, th- I think that's also part of. I, we're listening to this in such a completely different time, so I'm really curious how this was received back in in. You know, back of the day, because this this must have been really jarring for folks going from. Um, I, I, I mean, in a way, because you if, had like uh, well, you know, uh, get get gets Gilberto came out four years later. Well, um, I, I just I meant in, so. in, in the confines of Davis's discography. I mean, in a way, you had Porgy yeah. and Bess, which definitely sounded not that it sounded Spanish in a way, but it definitely sounded. It has um, it has an orchestral sound to it. Uh, yeah. Same thing with um, you know, Birth of the Cool has its kind of orchestral moments like it's it's a very uh composed jazz album yeah um, exactly and i yeah I, it's it, go ahead yeah i was just, I, I don't i mean i have no idea what the, the the chronological accuracy of this but uh uh kind of you know porgy and best was obviously written i forget if it was written for a movie or for a play no or whatever. It, it was I, i'm pretty sure it was it was a play first yeah um and it was or i think it was an opera actually like it was um, I'm trying to remember the person who, yeah, it's Gershwin. Yeah, it's it's uh it's an opera by Gershwin, George Gershwin. Um, and it's kind of racist, I guess. Oh, well, um, but uh, <laughs> but in any case, um, definitely. I'm just saying. I mean, like there's a uh, the, there's a track uh in Porgy and Best called uh, I think it's like. Best you is my woman now. <laughs> oh, yeah, interesting. It's little, little, little things like that. It's uh, but surprisingly though, I uh, 
the tunes in the in the opera get a lot of play, like as jazz standards. Huh. So it's it's an interesting, you know, concept of you know sort of, you know, the, these these jazz musicians sort of taking this stuff and making it their own in their own yeah. way. Um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess the the roundabout point to what I was was gonna say is that uh, you know sketches of Spain kind of gives me uh, like more of the somber moments from West Side Story. Like I I could I kind of get yeah. that kind of vibe where West Side Story was a bit a bit grittier and you know you didn't have gangsters fighting by dancing but gangsters fighting <laughs> by fighting. yeah that that that's as crazy you can get man <laughs> yeah exactly um, I, I'm gonna check the chronal chronal because I have I have no idea when West Side. I think West Side Story came out later. Oh, 61. Okay, so I'm in the ballpark. I mean, obviously, it came out after this album, but I'm definitely somewhere in there. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like, I I think it just, it totally, it it, it caught me off guard, but in in kind of a good good way. Like, I I appreciated that this was so, this is is so different from what kind of Blue I had to offer. And I I mean, I think that's that's in a way is kind of... um, Kind of the point. Yeah, so it's kind of the theme of Davis's career because obviously, you know, over over time, jazz musicians changed, evolved. That was kind of the way that you know, as as jazz evolved that, as a result. But I feel like with with Coltrane, uh, some of his more his crazier releases were just kind of freer and more spiritual versions of what he, you know, kind of the earlier parts of his career. Like if you, it's 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 it's, it's tough to look back, yeah, and think about it because like. A lot of the Coltrane albums that we know today were released posthumously, mm. um, you know. So it's it, it's it's tough to think. Oh, you know, this is what he was thinking at this time. Yeah, um, that's fair. Um, yeah, but but no, I I, I get what you mean. That there, there's always this, um, and I mean, I I think this is true in any genre of music, but especially jazz. Just this need to reinvent and sort of keep seeing what's possible to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and, you know, for, for Miles, you know, he had already gone, you know, kind of to as far as you could go at that time with, you know, sort of, I, I don't want to say improvisation, but like improvisatory elements um, and sort of that idea of being able to free up the the musician mm-hmm. uh, from sort of from the structures of, you know, chords and things like that. And then just kind of. He ended up just going in the exact opposite direction with this, um, and, and I, I think it was more just you know I, I I think he sort of just kind of followed his vision where it brought him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's it, it is I, I it definitely would be cool to you know sort of see what people thought of this because like you know it it is really tough to look back and wonder what the context was and sort of what the reception was because I mean like you know remember with uh like on the corner was like reviled. Mm-hmm. when it came out and like nowadays it's considered like one of miles davis's most important albums yeah exactly uh, and, and i think the other thing is that music criticism back in, the, in 1960 was so different from what it is today so i like oh, it, I, I i i don't know i think it's still pretty full of itself now well yeah <laughs> but in terms of you know just uh like just the kind of the culture around it and the way that like the the kind of echo chamber that modern um music critics are in is, is a little bit different. I think it's a little bit more informed by public opinion. Like if you look at, uh, you know, like early metal, for example, like black, black Sabbath, you know, paranoid was, was panned when it first came out, but 
you know, obviously now it's it's held in a very very different regard. I yeah. think partially because of how you know how influential and how popular they became. So I'm yeah. curious because whenever like whenever you look up any any press about um, this album or any number of like classic jazz albums, all you see is you know it's in the Rolling Stone record guide, you know five stars, like the reissue got a ten out of ten or whatever. Um, I don't know how much is you know in this because I think with selling is is established as a classic that's kind of everyone wants to rush to say um like no one wants to be the the music blog that says oh like i think you know kind of blue or sketches of spain sucks or whatever like, yeah i don't think that you're going to find a lot of pro prominent music blogs that are going to want to want to say something like that so yeah I, I i get you um i don't really have much else to say about it. i i think just i think looking at it from 60 years later uh it's still an impressive piece of music yeah. and just just to see how you know i i, I think i mean I, I i would probably say jazz is like my favorite genre of music uh i always find myself coming back to it and revisiting it and always enjoying it um and i think part of that reason is because of its nature as like kind of just like this musical melting pot mm -hmm. that like and, and i mean i i think this is true for any genre of music, but I, I think it's most true for jazz because it's it's just like such the, it's like this strange nexus point where like you've got like blues and you've got like old like you know like field songs and like slave spirituals and things like that influencing this as well as like composers like Stravinsky, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and it's just like it all comes together in this amazing art form that has never quite been replicated in the same way mm -hmm. it, and it's just had a, an amazing history to it and i think this is just an example of that that it's you know jazz is one of those genres that just is able to take so many things and make so much more out of it um and it's just yeah i, I think i think it's just cool to take an example of this because like you know i i i want to say around this time yusuf latif was was doing similar things kind of like in a reverse way that you know he was using like middle eastern instruments to play like more traditional jazz on mm -hmm. uh you know it is it, it's it's cool to see that experimentation to see that like these musicians you know are they love performing but they're also like you know really hungry to to really try something new in, in, even if it's you know in in maybe more of a th music theory way kind of like a step back from from like the modality experiments that were just happening a year or ago with mm -hmm. making kind of blue so anyway <laughs> yeah absolutely that, that's a that's a really really great summation um right. yeah, and now, yeah. to a, to right. a lesser extent but still somewhat um in the same vein on to something completely different uh this yeah. is uh, going back 40 years at this point, this is the 1980 follow-up to their, you know, kind of classic, hugely celebrated debut, Unknown Pleasures. This is the Joy Division album, uh, Closer. And it is, I, I think, pretty, I mean, it, obviously there's only two albums, so, you know, it's going to be one and two, not a lot of discussion there. But I also think there's not much discussion about where the two albums rank. Among fans, I think it's kind of this kind of an unspoken consensus that Unknown Pleasures is the better album. I think that's See, why. I, it, it's funny you say that because, like, I I think I, I've seen a lot of people thinking that 
Closer is the better album. Interesting. So a lot um, of people are wrong then. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm really curious to see where, where you you, uh, you stand. But. All right, well, do, do you want to get into this now, or do you want to talk a little bit about context uh, Yeah, I'll first? talk a little bit more about it. So they, yeah. obviously, they originally formed as a more a punky band called Warsaw in the you know mid to uh, late seventies, early late seventies, I guess, because obviously their their debut as kind of a more uh, melodic, melancholic post punk band on Unknown Pleasures came out in seventy nine, and it's really it's one of those weird, um, it's one of those albums that kind of shows the arbitrary nature of decades because it. it doesn't doesn't truly feel like a full 80s album but it also doesn't truly feel like a full 70s album like there's a lot of hints to what it would influence in the 80s i mean i think post-punk is a i think that that's like a big uh like character of Mm post-punk is that it it kind of has like you know like sort of like its fingers in like a couple different pies if you will yeah exactly Um, yeah, because um, I mean, I I'm pretty sure didn't uh, Remain in Light come out in like seventy nine? Uh, I, I think, I think so, yeah, I think I think I was surprised to find that it was a, it was a seventy. It was in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Fear of Music was seventy nine, which I I you know is 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 pretty out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I mean, I I think but, that uh, they they truly, I think they most fulfilled the direction they were heading on. Oddly enough, a single with "Love Will Tear Us Apart." I think that love, is love. Love will tear us apart. I th- oh, I, that's a beautiful <laughs> rendition. I, I think thank you. That is easily the the most you know quote unquote '80s thing. That is kind of the the culmination of where they were pointing to, and obviously where the band ultimately went when they became New Order after you know Ian Curtis unfortunately passed away. Um, but in in the middle of it all is closer, which sees the band. Um, kind of embracing, you know, there's, uh, I don't know if there's any really prominent moments on Unknown Pleasures where you could say, like, that's a synth, or, like, that's electronics. Obviously, there's a there's a great deal of reverb at play, but it very much is, falls within the, you know, the, the four main instrument, you know, post-punk structure. But on yeah. Closer, you know, kind of right off the bat, and especially once you get to track two, this is very much, you know, we're in the 80s now, and there's electronics and it's 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 a kind of more it's, 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 it's only a few of the tracks though yeah it's, it's not overwhelming by any stretch of the imagination but it definitely it's, it's much more it's much more prominent it's it's something that you kind of listening back you might uh think that there's there's those those elements are missing quote unquote from unknown pleasures but you know they're they're there you can you can hear them now on closer so with that i think we'll we'll kind of jump into our our thoughts on this and I, I Elaine I know you mentioned you know midweek that you you had plenty of them so I would like yeah to, I would, I'm very oh, curious yeah. to but, hear what they are with, with this apparently especially because um I think years ago when I first listened to closer I I really did not like this thing mm-hmm. like it, and it was I, I think part part of it was because the uh atrocity exhibition was just like a very long song and it felt unnecessarily long like i i i feel like i don't have enough fingers to count how many times ian curtis says this is the way step inside <laughs> um <laughs> so like j- j- just to like sort of be able to chew through that track was a lot and then to have to go through the rest of it and it just it get it gets more dreary and dreary and depressing as it keeps going uh which i i i guess is kind of um fitting 
given given you know Ian Curtis's passing and everything, mm-hmm. um, and sort of the struggles he dealt with. But um, so like for a long time, I wasn't a big fan of this, and even like like I a couple years ago, I ended up just splurging and buying like all three. Or so I I bought Unknown Pleasures Closer and then uh, Substance because it had like a couple of those non-album singles yep. that I really like, as, as well as Leaders of Men, which is, like, probably my favorite Joy Division song. Um, but, yeah, I so, listening to this again, I, I, I actually really love, like, I fucking love this album, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's it's really underrated in, in a way, because, like, I think Unknown Pleasures has, like, the whole, like, pitchfork backing behind it. And, you know, and, and I mean, obviously the album cover, you know, being very iconic and so i i think this album gets a little overlooked um it, it but but i also think it gets even by the people who do look at it i i feel like it doesn't quite get like meet the description that a lot of people have described it as because like even you were like oh yeah you know like it has like this synth edge to it and it's like it it, it does but it's really not as as prominent as you would think oh yeah for like, sure yeah it's only a handful of songs like you know by the time you get to Passover, the third track you know you're kind of back to that you know good old unknown pleasures ish post punky kind of sound mm-hmm. um you know so it's i i think it's it's a very transitional album and i think uh you know if, if ian curtis you know had lived to make another joy division album i think we would have seen you know sort of the you know what this album would transition into and i i don't know if it would be necessarily new order um i I really don't know i i really haven't listened to a ton of new order to be totally honest so i i can't really make that distinction but i i I just feel like there's there's a lot more going on in this album than people think i i guess is what i'm trying to say but uh even like i i just like i love pretty much every track in this album like uh, in, especially uh, trust the exhibition is really interesting. It's it's cool to see sort of a, a nod to uh, the uh, work by G.G. Ballard, which is one of my favorite books, mm-hmm. frankly. Um, but you know, just it, it's cool to see like isolation using like those those synths. But then you have like Passover and Colony that are just like so perfectly post punk, and like just. Ian Curtis's vocals on this album, I, I think, are are might might be better than Unknown Pleasures, frankly. Um, like they they have more like, I I feel like he seems more confident in his vocal style, in in this album, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, maybe it could be a production thing too, because like this album on the whole is it, it sounds a little clearer and less lo-fi than Unknown Pleasures, uh, slightly. But yeah, I, I I think this is a great album. I, I think it's, you know, again, I I think it gets overlooked a little bit, uh, and I, I I would highly suggest people who like you know like Unknown Pleasures to check this out because I think it's a really interesting album. Uh, and I mean, if if you're like listening to like The Cure and you've never listened to Joy Division, like start here. Yeah. No, I mean, just to be clear, I mean, I, I think for me that there's a very clear hierarchy. Uh, between you know, I would definitely rank Unknown Pleasures above Closer, but I, I mean, I think closer. oh yeah. I, look, I I I love Unknown Pleasures. Like like I would probably put Unknown Pleasures on more than I would put Closer on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, do, just because I, I, I've probably listened to it so much that it's just like, it, it's almost, it's just like only by familiarity, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it, there's some great, they, I mean, they, there are great tracks in both of these, but. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is, uh, I don't know, I, I think part of it might be the, uh, the hindsight discussion we were having earlier because I, I think beyond, like, you have a lot of people, you have Unknown Pleasures and then Level Terrace Apart. And I think Closer is kind of, like, flirting with that, but it never, like you said, I mean, there are definitely, you're going from basically zero electronic-oriented tracks to, you know, a handful. So I think that's why people typecast it as such. But uh, I, I, I think you're raising a point. I, I'm curious what, I don't think it an Ian Curtis led Joy Division that that you know survived beyond these two albums. I don't think it would sound like New Order, but I, I also I'm curious what it would sound like. I mean, I, I am also curious would it be good? Like, did they kind of peak with with Level Terrace Part? Who knows? Uh, for me, uh, I, I just I I love Atrocity Exhibition. I do think it could have you could have shaved off a handful of uh, this is the way <laughs> step. I, 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 I I should probably re, uh, say that I actually really like the song. Now I think, but when I when I started listening to it, like at first, many many years ago, it was a lot to take in. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> it, no. it just felt very repetitive. But nowadays, I, I I actually don't mind it at all. So oh, I mean, I I, I love this song. I mean, I don't think it doesn't bother it doesn't bother me to the point that it's a deal breaker. But I, I don't think I would mind if they you know. He said it like a couple fewer. This is the way. Step inside. <laughs> That's why. I mean, I I loved when Danny Brown um, made that reference on you know Atrocity Exhibition. It's just yeah. it's such a such a cool moment. Uh, and then I I think honestly, my top three Joy Division songs would be. Um, oh my god! I'm gonna call it one of my favorites, and I forget what it's called. The opening track on Unknown Pleasures. Isn't that Disorder? Yeah, I think that's disorder. Yeah, like Disorder, Level Terrace Apart, and then Isolation are my top three songs. I just, Isolation, I think, is just, is such a, such a good song. I love his deadpan yeah. delivery and, like, super bleak lyricism over this, like, cheery, like, you know, poppy, yeah. synth poppy. It's just the, 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 the contrast is just, to me, is amazing. I, I love it. Um, I, uh, maybe if, if we're doing, Top jo- top three Joy Division songs. Um, mm, probably she lost control again. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah, uh, and then probably leaders leaders of men, mm. and then uh, maybe Passover. Actually, now that I think about it, uh, just I, like I, I really like when when Ian Curse really uses his vocals to to their best best of their ability because yeah, like he sure. just he has such a distinct distinct type of vocalization uh you know it's sort of timbre to his voice and it, it just matches the music so well yeah and, and you're totally right that he he came you know, he's definitely a, a more confident or you know as confident as someone as depressed as him could be yeah um but is Passover because I I get a, in the the mid section I get a little murky but like the, the Passover is the track right after isolation yeah it, it, but like it does have the bouncy bass and it's like I put my faith in you I think that's that could be Colony I think about yeah because that that is that is one of my another one of my favorite moments just like that I that put like really my trust in you that very <laughs> uh, bouncy bass riff and then just the the way that his delivery 
Uh, and then on the latter half of the the album, you know, the penultimate track, the Eternal. I mean, fuck, man, like just that that haunting, haunting yeah, piano, the, the, the synth line. Yeah, yeah, it's just it, it's it's such a such a such a good good song. I mean, in general, like this album, I, I think you're totally right. It's underrated. Uh, I, I I don't know, if, like I don't mean that to say that I don't I don't think it should be overrated over. Uh, unknown pleasures. I mean, I think unknown pleasures. I, 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 yeah, it, it it deserves some time. It deserves some attention, though. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a lot of good moments on this, and um, I think honestly, closer makes me sadder than unknown pleasures. Not just, I mean, literally, in that I think that there are just sadder songs on this album. But I think more importantly, um, I, I am I am just so intrigued by where they would have gone next. Like, I think that's just one of my. Like if we were to do an episode where we did like our top five, you know, musical mysteries, what, yeah, what ifs or like what what could have been, uh, yeah, like just what would have happened? Because I think they were going in such, um, like this is this is one of the again this is kind of a this is a very niche list I'm I'm gonna throw out there, but like this is one of the best musical pro- like progressions for a sophomore album that I'm a, like I can remember because I just I feel like the steps they took beyond their debut, like they totally maintained the essence of what everyone loves about their music, but explored some really interesting territory. I would have loved mm. to have seen them do that again on their third album. Obviously, yeah, you know, that obviously it, will, it, will never happen. We'll never know, unfortunately, what might have been. It, it, it definitely is one of those things. Like it's the same thing with, um, like, I don't know if you've ever heard that uh, Jimi Hendrix and Miles Davis were actually planning on collaborating. Fuck, <laughs> no, I didn't know. Holy shit, that would have yeah. been awesome. See, like the, the, the that's probably number one for me. Ooh, that would have been really cool. Because I I just can't even imagine where that would go. Mm-hmm. And just considering like how much Hendrix's sound was verging on just noise <laughs> near the end of his yeah. career and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's just interesting. It'd be, it'd be really cool to see like you know like proto noise like, like you know kind of doing that with Miles Davis. I don't know. That'd be really cool. But yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, I actually. So, I, uh, one last thing because we're going a little over on time. Uh, I just want to say because I think people are always um, very quick to judge Joy Division as a very sad band, and their music always sounds very sad. Apparently, and um, I, I slightly disagree. Like, like I mean, the, the you know tracks like the Eternal, you know, um, I think Day of the Lords. Mm-hmm. Um, off of uh, Unknown Pleasures. There's a couple other tracks. Actually, no, I, I wasn't thinking of Day Lords. Um, I think Candidate, actually. Um, you know, there, 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 are some, there are some very dreary tracks on it. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you look at the lyricism, it's pretty bleak. Uh, but on the whole, I, I consider their music very dancey. And, like, I think through that, you know, action alone, kind of more upbeat than you would think. Because like I don't they, do get, do do you think it's possible like I don't know, like like for me like dancing is like a very joyful act so like to put it to dance to a sad song doesn't really make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah no I, I mean I, I think yeah the, the, the what what I would say to kind of t- you know, I guess add to what, what you're saying is it's it's more complex than people put on like yeah you know, exactly I think they're exactly. they're 
Closer has, you know, to add to what I said earlier, Closer has, I think, some of the saddest Joy Division songs. But I also definitely, think, definitely. I mean, like we were saying, we're talking about, and, and they're able to spin that in some interesting ways where, yeah, you have some, some danceable, um, you know, more upbeat. Uh, I mean, even, I mean, I know it's, it's not on this album, but, you know, it's not on any Joy Division album, but uh, Love Will Tear Us Apart. Like, you know, it has a really, like, happy, like, kind of, you know, 80s prom vibe, but the lyrics aren't exactly, like, super, yeah. super happy. <laughs> so, uh, I, th- I think that they were able to spin that. And I, I, for me, like, the, the, the pinnacle is, um, oh, my God, I'm, I am having such a, such a brain farts today. Um, isolation, excuse me. Like, I just think, that, yeah. to me, that's the pinnacle of, of just coupling danceable more isolation upbeat, yeah. upbeat songs or with lyrics that are are pretty fucking dreary and i think yeah. that's there's just there's just such a such great depth to their music there's their music is just so interesting to me it's it's so so well made uh, just definitely yeah. really just I, will always be really sad that we didn't get more but yeah that's how, I, that's but, how but i think it's also maybe it's a good thing because i feel like it's like it's similar to um, like Nirvana in a way. Like I, I feel like if Joy Division was to continue, I, I don't know if they would have the same like legendary status that they do now. In a way, Be, because like they what I mean is like they they didn't like they didn't end up putting out like five like mediocre records and kind of just like disappearing from the limelight. Yeah, it's a, it's always interesting how. Because yeah, I, I don't know, if, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if that would have informed the legacy of unknown pleasures and closer. I mean, it certainly, yeah, it would, it would have ultimately um, informed you know the legacy well, like, of their. I, I, I think of it as like okay, like take a band like Boston, uh-huh. that like you know first album really iconic, really awesome. Next two albums still pretty good, mm-hmm. but like Boston's put out like seven or eight albums. <laughs> and like, have you ever heard of like any of the other ones? Because no. I definitely haven't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the, 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 that's kind of my point. Is it's just like I, I think you would remember maybe the album, but not necessarily the band. And I think you know, whereas right now, like, there, there's so much focused on Joy Division as an entire group, even when they're Warsaw, that like they're constantly, you know, all, all these reissues of like, you know, in compilations of stuff that like people have never heard that just keep getting like put out. So. Yeah, for sure. And obviously they weren't, they weren't the very first, you know, post punk band, but they no, were definitely not. They were, they, they, they were probably the best. Yeah. So. They were one of the, they were one of the first, certainly one of the most important. And I think if you look at the trajectory of post punk, they, their style played an enormous role in how, you know, modern post punk developed. Definitely. So I think definitely. on one hand, it would be interesting to hear how they would write music within that how they would produce music within um a style that really you know shaped around their music but uh, on the other hand it's i i mean obviously we're jumping genres entirely but look at look at death metal like i think there are some some older you know veteran death metal acts have done a great job of keeping up with the times of kind of you know remaining relevant remaining fresh you know and then you have deicide yeah, and then you have bands like Deicide, you have like Morbid Angel, like you have other bands who really, really, really haven't. And so, yeah. you know, they're back in the day, they were, you know, incredibly innovative, produced some of the most important albums in the genre. Nowadays, 
they're just they have young young bucks doing laps around them. So yeah, it's, I so I, I guess my my final thing that I just want to point out is just like talking about this album has made me want to listen to it again. Yeah, which is is just like if 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 that's not the go ahead to just give this album a listen if you've never given it a listen before just just do it <laughs> yeah I, I mean i mean a lot of times when we talk about you know we, we listen to albums a lot for to, you know these segments you know after we're done i don't put it on again for the amount of time i hadn't put it on again before we listened we did this episode but yeah i still have this i still have closer my cd player i'm looking forward to listening to it again tomorrow or maybe even later tonight like it's just yeah this this band is is this is one of the first like joy vision is one of the first you know critically acclaimed you know must listen pitchfork bands that i i really really grew to love like just they, there's something about their music that that clicked with me right away and it, it's only grown over it's, time it's super catchy yeah like it really it really exactly. is like as dreary as it can be it's really catchy yeah it hooks you in and then when you listen to it more you're like oh wow this this is wow <laughs> <laughs> oh wait i forgot i hated my life <laughs> yeah exactly. oh man uh, okay uh, sweet so it is time for is time. one final album to discuss each of us, and that is, as always, I don't know why I'm doing a Shatner right now, but uh, our <laughs> I wasn't even really a Shatner. Rocket Man. I don't know. We're, we're, Burning we're going his off the rails, so high. So <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going off the rails, so I'm just going to throw it over to you, Delane. And what is your album of the week? Oh, man. I, I get to go first this time? You do. I know. It's, it's, it's a rare honor, but here we are. I, I I appreciate it. Okay. Um, so I think I've, I don't know if we talked about this on uh, the podcast, but I, I actually just ended up just spending like a, a ton of money a uh-huh. couple weeks ago, just buying some stuff off of Bulmos. And uh, one of them was one of my favorite prog metal albums from like, the last couple of years, which is uh, Melina by Leprous. Nice. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, putting that on again, I'm just, I'm still so taken aback by his vocals in that like, like those vocals are like some of the most beautiful things like I, I've just ever heard like in just the harmonies that are created with them and but but the thing is like I I feel like the first few times I've listened to this album like I never really paid attention to the rest of the band mm-hmm. but there's a lot going on under that like if you really listen to like some of the riffing that's even like even in like the first track I think it's Bonneville is the first track mm-hmm. um you know that there's a lot going on underneath all those vocals and it's just it, it's there's just such a tight band just a really talented band and i like how they take uh you know a lot of those like you know gentisms you know and and kind of re like recontextualize them into more of like a prog metal framework mm-hmm. like made them less annoying i guess yeah <laughs> and and just like less like obvious and really just had them really work well with the rest of the sound that they're working with in this album, uh, and the, 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 there aren't a ton, there aren't a ton of those gentisms going on, but like they're around. But you know, so it's it's just a great album. It, it yeah. really made me realize that I, I need to buy more of their stuff uh, because they are just one of the best prog metal acts working right now. Yeah, they're they're incredible, and I have to say, I, I love the term gentisms. I, I need to use yeah. that more often because that's that's so great. <laughs> You're free to use it, my friend. I will. Um, so, where, where are you at with uh, your album of the week? Yeah, so I I kind of I um, was in the mood to listen to some vinyl, and I was in the mood to listen to some vintage folk, and 
Uh, they're just a perfect example of that in my collection. I, I pulled out and I just I listened to side A and B. I just kept flipping it over. You know, it's just it, it's such a great album, such a classic folk album. And that is uh, Blue by Joni Mitchell. Uh, oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to say Pink Moon, and I was like, man, you're really listening to some depressing music this week, <laughs> huh, Scott? No, like, I, I don't know if my, my, my fragile heart could, could take that in, in one week. But yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, Joni Mitchell, she has the kind of voice and presentation and lyricism that if I was, you know, if I was just happened to be, uh, like if she was just, if I stumbled upon her playing live i don't know like at a coffee shop or or whatever that'd be crazy if Tony mitchell was just playing at a coffee shop um still still time i know <laughs> but it just it would i, I would just stop and, and listen to her i mean like the stories that she tells just how gorgeous her vocals are how she makes these really really simple uh compositions just sound which is massive in, in, in their impact um mm. i i yeah i i forgot how much i love that album i bought it really it was it was really really cheap uh, it was funny. I I got interested in her music from a movie called The Kids Are All Right with uh, oh with Julianne Moore. Yeah, and it's yeah. Uh, it's a it's a really really great movie with an ending I don't like at all. And this isn't a movie <laughs> podcast, and I don't like spoilers, so that's all I'm going to say. Okay. But one of the themes is that um, uh, one of the moms loves Joni Mitchell, and there's a scene where she she sang. I mean, poorly, because the, she's not, she's just like an average person. She doesn't have a great voice. But she sang along to one of the songs on Blue, and it just, it was beautiful. You could just tell just even from someone singing along to lyrics while the vinyl played in the background in the movie, you're like, wow, that song's really, that's just really captivating. And so ever since I've been a fan, and just every time I re- revisit Blue, I remind myself why I love, I love Joni so much. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I've ever listened to Blue in full, now that I think about it. Like I think well, I mean, I, you definitely you have a you have a yeah an interesting. I, I'm very particular with my folk. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't know if you'd like it, but I mean, pers- I think it's worth a listen just because I'm I'm a big I, I love that album. But it's it's one of those like I think it's like it's it's it, it's like listening to Dylan. Like it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of required listening, in a way. Like it, it's like I feel like it's something like people need to listen to at least once. Yeah, I and I I should just kind of buckle down and just do it. Uh, but I also have like four more albums that I bought from Bomos that I still haven't listened to. So, um, you know, first things first. <laughs> yeah, and those I'm assuming will be your albums of the week for the next several weeks. So, we will be know. hearing about them. We'll, 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 we'll see. Yeah. So, there are, there are some interesting ones. Uh, Tom York's uh, debut, The Eraser, is, oh, cool. is up next. And I'm very excited to listen to that because I've never listened to it before. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, sweet. This has been an yeah. incredibly interesting hodgepodge of albums we've discussed this week. Uh, the only thing they have in common is that we've just talked about them. So, thanks. You know, they're thanks they're all good. They're all, they're all good and they're all worth checking out. Hey, there you go. That that That's the common thread. And, you know, yeah. as always, thanks for for listening and we look forward to chatting with you. Well, actually, we're not going to chat. We're going to chat at you. We're not going to chat yeah. with you. That's not how <laughs> podcasts work. Um <laughs> But maybe one day. Maybe maybe one day we'll have an interactive podcast. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, bye. Bye.
thanks for listening guys and uh if you're interested uh you know if you want to hear more just you know listen to us on uh itunes pod apple Podcasts, android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast basically uh we're on all of it uh if you follow us on anchor to you know whatever works for you and uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.